Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, a bad situation in the NHL got worse as the Sabres' three games this week were canceled, two against Columbus and Colorado, and games across the NHL were canceled due to the ongoing rise in COVID-19 cases throughout the league, throughout the country, and pretty much throughout the world, too. Last night was the last game ahead of the holiday break and the only game that was able to be played yesterday, which was between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Vegas Golden Knights. But otherwise, everything has been canceled through the holidays now. And as it is... In fact, we're canceled. We are as well, yeah. Oh, shit, how'd that happen? (laughs) At the time of us recording this, uh, the next slate of games is set to take off on Monday. We'll see by the time Monday comes around if any of or how many of those games end up actually happening But, Taylor, we talked about this a little bit last episode. It was before the Sabres games had gotten canceled. How dire is this situation right now in the NHL? Well, it's not good. So, basically, it's a five-day break. But for most teams, it's more. There's only one game yesterday because of all the postponements, which is Tampa beating Vegas. And that's going to be the last game for at least five days. We'll see if the NHL comes back. But now there's been 50 games delayed. And the vast majority of those games came this past week and these following few days the nhl always has off the 24th and 25th and i think they might always have off the 26th too i believe i'm mistaken um so the 27th would always be when they would come back i guess the big difference is everyone is starting their break at least two days early and most teams have started it before that and some teams were already on a covid related pause teams like calgary uh so it's not good like i said a ton of games have gotten postponed and now we're looking at Monday, allegedly, 14 games are going to be played. So 28 of the 32 teams are going to be active. I doubt they're all active. What's in fact, I don't I think there's like zero percent chance they're all active. But what's interesting is going to be how many of those teams are active. So like if it's zero, that means the NHL's made another uh, decision of some kind, which would be interesting. But there, there are teams that could theoretically play in the situation they're in. Almost every team has at least one positive case or has had one of late. But not, not all those teams have the dire situation like, for example, Calgary had, where they couldn't right. even field a competitive team. And so, I was just going to say, too, and for the Sabres specifically now, they have three players who are in COVID protocols, that being Vinny Hinostroza, <laughs> Zemdis Gergensens, and Jeff Skinner. Well, is Sokarski so, out of protocol officially? I think he is, yeah. He should be. By the time right, it'll... Yeah, as of now, he is, yes. Okay, because it'd be three weeks um, from his uh, going on. No, Tokarski was out a back. couple of, like, two days ago, two or three days ago. Oh, good, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then on top of that, too, then the Sabres and Bills announced that Kids who are going to the games now, aged 5 to 11, must be vaccinated to enter into the arena or the stadium, which I think definitely makes sense now, especially as pediatric doses are becoming more and more prevalent, you know, throughout the greater region. Um, that, that is not an unreasonable thing for the Sabres to ask at all at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely not. So, it, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think before this, kids under 12 had to show a negative test. Is that correct? I think so- you may be right. Yeah. This is a, a lot more convenient, I guess. But yeah, this I guess that uh, you kind of expect that because it's been, I don't know, roughly six weeks or maybe a little bit more since you 
got the approval and those shots started being available. So yeah, who knows? Hopefully there are Sabres games to, to go to. Uh, this is, it's a worrying trend. Uh, but I guess the, the bigger news, because we don't really know what's going to happen next week. Uh, the hard news here is that yeah. NHL players are not going to the Olympics. So it'll officially be officially be 12 years at least between seeing NHL players in the Olympics. Uh, we were young college students last time. Uh, I was 21, you were 20, and we will be in our 60s the next time it happens in 2026. <laughs> yeah, just about, give or take a year or two. It, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just so, it's not, I shouldn't say that. It's, it's ridiculous that we are now unfortunately faced with having to wait this long between appearances. You know, I, I think that, as much as we all desperately are craving both fans and the players themselves are craving for NHL participation in the Olympics. This was the right move. It's a tough pill to swallow, but you can't ignore what's going on right now, you know, both here and abroad. And I think on top of just in general with cases, not being in a good place right now there's a lot of questions about protocols there there's a lot of un, like unanswered questions too at that i should say from the olympic committee uh the the risk involved too with sending players to china where if a guy were to play and then say what if somebody you know what if russia makes the gold medal game and the day of the game, Alex Ovechkin tests positive for COVID and then needs to go into a quarantine period. And then that lasts a little bit longer than you think. And, you know, so then you have one of the league's premier superstars stuck overseas, not able to get back. The Capitals then are screwed. And, and you know, I mean, for by and large, the teams that are going to end up being in the finals are going to be teams that are going to be 90 plus percent made up of NHL players. So one guy gets it it runs rampant through a room, you know, then it's multiple teams who have premier players who are not going to be able to be playing for them for God knows how long, you know, I think on top of what we already know, it's just, you know, as I alluded to before, it's how many unanswered questions there are and how many ways that it can go wrong. So it's, it's really tough. I mean, you know, we've been talking about this. I, I think we did our first like early projection roster, roster projection like two years ago, you know, like building up to this because both of us, I know you and I and everybody else has been looking forward to this so much, especially at a time where, I mean, you have USA is by and large going to be, was going to be icing the best team maybe ever that was put on Olympic ice for them. There were tons of other great storylines too throughout the league with all of just, I mean, the youth movement coming through and all these young guys who are going to be able to plug into their respective, uh, respective countries lineups and get to play alongside guys who would, they've been looking up to. I mean, you know, there's always new talent coming into the league, but we've talked about this too. I mean, especially recently, like the, the wealth of young talent that, is, you know, not only already playing at the NHL level, but guys who are going to be capable of playing in the Olympics too, because then when you get to some of the smaller countries, you know, you're going to have younger guys taking on way bigger roles than they would be for their current NHL teams too. So, I mean, there's just so many opportunities that were lost there that it's just really unfortunate to see. So, I mean, I'm curious from you, Taylor, first, you know, just your general take on the announcement, but then also, uh, I thought we could kind of talk a little bit about what we were most looking forward to seeing in these Olympics too. And maybe that's then something that we could look forward to in 2026. Yeah. I, I, um, well, for starters, I think in 2010, I remember that Olympic period very well, obviously, because Ryan Miller was playing. Maybe I didn't appreciate it enough how cool it was that the Sabres goalie who's in the midst of having a great NHL season was also having a like incredible Olympics and like, the only time America really cares about hockey in any uh, actual way, uh, they were seeing a Sabre dominate and almost got very close to getting the gold. Uh, 2014, obviously I paid attention, but it's just tough. Brendan, you remember in college how often you woke up on the weekend before 8 a.m. for any reason? It's a hard no. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't wake up for some of those weekend games. I mean, some of the weekday games I had to be up anyway, which is cool, but sometimes then you have class. So I miss the TJ Oshie game. I'm a long way of saying I slept through it, the game where he won in the shootout, 
uh, because it was it started at like 730 on a Saturday. And then I had to go cover a Bonaventure basketball game. And everyone was like, oh, my God, did you see that this morning? And I was like, see what? I saw nothing this morning. But yeah, so my point here is that I would have a lot more time right now um, and a lot less going on in my life. That's interesting. So I would have, uh, you know, a good uh, a good amount of time to dedicate to watching these, watching, you know, Slovakia play whoever. I was also kind of looking forward to see what Team China looked like. Like they were giving the courtesy spot because they're the host. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what would that look like? Team China. I mean, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It really like, is. Like, could we have seen like a hundred and nothing games? <laughs> like we might have. I mean, you might remember that possible Slovakia, Bulgaria women's went to qualifier game that was 82 nothing. Insane. I mean, you might have seen that if China was supposed to be, I believe, on a side with the U.S. and Canada. That would have been fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then, like you alluded to, this was the best uh, American talent we've had in a while. In fact, I saw this uh, chart on Twitter today. From Jay uh, Fresh? That, yeah, from Jay Fresh. Killing my thunder, you bastard. I was just about to bring that up. Oh, well, I have it here. <laughs> um, so for those who haven't seen it, it's the top scorers from the 2016 to 2020 NHL drafts so far in the NHL. Uh, Canada versus USA and uh, America has uh, quite an edge basically all the way through our top scorer is Austin Matthews in the time period at 384 there's Pierre-Luc Dubois at 204 uh, then you know Matthew Kachuk is 301 their next guy is Sam Girard at 132 I mean their best guys are defensemen Girard, Chikrin, Kel McCarr like a lot of defensemen here and then a lot of guys who are like pretty good like you know Robert Thomas Drake Batherson, Jordan Cairo, like Nolan Patrick's on here. Nolan Patrick stinks. Uh, Max Comtois on here. Very uh, mediocre guy. Uh, on the USA side, though, like you have pretty good guys all the way down. Canada has, let's see here, six guys who have scored 100 points. One of them has exactly 100. Uh, and like I said, Gerard only has 132, whereas America, and this is just points. I know points aren't, you know, a direct line to how good you are as a hockey player, but Matthews, 384, Kachuk, 301, Debrinkit, 252, Keller, 215, Brady Kachuk, 147, Charlie McAvoy, maybe the best defenseman in the NHL, uh, 137. Obviously, they have Kel McCarr on their side, but now we have the, you know, the, another person who's in the conversation, the reigning Norris winner, Adam Fox. Also have Quinn Hughes, who, despite a tough year last year, really interesting guy. And then some solid guys after that, Luke Kuhn and Jason Robertson, Joel Farabee. I love the Casey Middle stats on here. Love oh, that for too. Casey. Jack Hughes has been coming on. And then Josh Norris is also here. And then someone I didn't know was American, Kaylor Yamamoto. Well, okay. So a couple of points on this too. I think the thing that jumps out to me, obviously there's a sizable gap between Matthews and PLD at the top. But of the top four guys on each side, the U.S. player in the top four has just about – 100 points or more than their corresponding ranked person on the other side. Now, obviously there's a lot that Mm. goes into that between the amount of games played, but I mean, you know, 384 to 204 with Matthews and PLD. Kachuk to Gerard is 301 to 132. Dabrinkat to Chekrin, 252 to 128. Keller to Makar, 215 to 120. Now, obviously in that instance, it's like Kale Makar is one of the premier players in the entire NHL, not even just defensemen, like straight up players. But what I think is even potentially more alarming from this for Canada's sake, I mean, let's be real here. We don't have a whole lot to worry about because there's a lot of good youth there. They have Connor Bedard is going to be coming through very uh, next or in two years for them. And he will undoubtedly be on the 2026 team, but there's not a whole lot of forward strength here outside of PLD. I mean, Suzuki and Robert Thomas and Drake Batherson are all solid, but I mean, those are guys that, you know, long, I guess I'll put it this way. Long gone are the days after this now where a guy who would be, you know, team Canada's maybe like third or fourth line player would be team USA's third or fourth best overall player. You know, right. like the tide is turning here. And if we're talking, you know, recent history, I mean, Stacking like the top forwards up in terms of PLD, Robert Thomas, Suzuki, Batherson, Kairou up against, you know, you have Matthews, Kachuk, the Brain Cat, um, Brady Kachuk, 
you know, that is also Jack Eichel. Well, (laughs) yeah. Eichel being 15 though. Cause then you put McDavid on the list and then that blows. Oh yeah. That's a loss for us. Yeah. Forget that. Cause then you had Barner too. So right. Right. But I mean, still though, like it's undeniable that the tide is shifting now and that, you know, as I had said, I mean, before you look at any of the last Olympics, Canada's fourth line would be Team USA's first line, just about, or at least very close. Maybe their second line, we'll say. It so, didn't, yeah, didn't they have Bergeron as their fourth line center in one of the Olympic years? I think you may like be 14, right. 14, maybe? Yeah, I that's insane. You may be right. So, you know, you look at this influx, I mean, it's it's significant. And I will also say, too, you know, let's take into account – some other factors here with some of these guys. I mean, look down the list a little bit more. Obviously we don't know what he fully is yet, but you have Jack Hughes who has been plagued by injury a bit and is really starting to catch his stride. It seems like too. He's a guy that's going to be moving up. You look at all the other um, NTDP guys. I mean, Zegris, he'll probably end up being there too. Maybe you end up seeing if he ends up panning out Jake Sanderson, like, He's a guy too that maybe, you know, I mean, if Cole Caulfield ends up panning out and that's not even taking into account again, like these guys like Eichel, who is going to, who are going to be there, Dylan Larkin. Um, I mean, it's, it's no joke. Like Zach Warinsky is another guy too, who's going to be a veteran by that, like uh, further along. I mean, he already is, but he's still pretty young. I mean, team USA is going to be no joke. Like, and as we get further and further into the future, the other thing that really stands out to me too, is that team Canada's goaltending is going to be even more of a total wild card at this point. I mean, looking ahead, who's it going to be? I, Jay fresh back uh, about a week ago, did a projection of the 2026 team. The three goalies for Canada are Carter Hart, Jordan Bennington and Mackenzie Blackwood. I know you got a lot of super like star power up front there in the forward corps for team Canada, but does that instill a lot of confidence in you? Those three guys. So Carter Hart, Mackenzie Blackwood and who? And Bennington. Uh, yeah. He's not going to be on the team. Jordan Bennington won't be in the NHL at that point. So um, that's a, that's my bold take. That is uh, bold. Yeah. Bold, bold take, fresh take brought to you by subway. Nice. Just kidding. I mean, I want to manifest more sponsors anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's 100% right. Like, their goaltending has already been uh, kind of uh, an issue for them. I mean, it's the only thing in their team that isn't, like, insanely dominant. And, like, yeah, Mackenzie Blackwood, I don't know. And Carter Hart, Carter Hart, good pedigree or whatever, draft pedigree, and he seemed like a good prospect. And he had a good start, but he was a disaster last year. And it's not like he's been a superstar this year either. So mm-hmm. I don't know about that. And meanwhile, we have the best goalie in the world on our on our side. Well, uh, debatably, but yes. One of the two best goalies. In one the world, of the two best. Say. But I mean, even that, dude, like <laughs> looking ahead for Team USA's sake, Gibson and Hallibuck are only going to be 32 by that point, And Thatcher Demko is going to be 30. Are they the same age? Gibson yeah, they're and both Hallibuck? 28. Wow. Gibson got in really young, didn't he? Yeah. And Demko is only going to be 30. I mean, that is that feels impossible that amazing. Gibson and Demko are two years apart. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it nuts? Wow, goalies are so weird. Look, yeah, Jordan Bennington's gonna be 60 in 2026. Yeah, those guys are both 93s and Demko's in 90 uh 95. I, I mean wow. it's crazy, it's crazy. Um Bennington will be like 33, right? At that point. Bennington, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, that's that's a bad look for them. I am I think now realizing how funny it is that they put um that Jay Fresh cut it off at 2016. I mean, he's right. He's made the point since 2016 things have been different, but like if you include the 2015 draft, which is really not that long ago, none of those guys are that old. Uh that looks to lo- uh probably tips the scales to Canada. Just off the top of my head. For what's that, that Taylor? The 2015 draft. Just oh, adding that. Oh, yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Not just McDavid and not just McDavid and Marner. I mean, there's probably like somewhere in the range of seven or eight all-stars in the first round of that draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say they lean Canadian. Although, Eichel, that's that's something. It's mm-hmm. not nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, even too, we're also forgetting, you know, we're talking about how dominant USA's goalie goaltending is. This totally disregards the fact that, I mean, Spencer Knight's going to have five years worth of being a starter under his belt 
by the time the next Olympics comes around and he's going to be like, what, 24 years old? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then. Maybe he sneaks in over. So, I mean, if we'll see what happens, Gibson has had a great resurgence this year. Good for him because I mean, for a long time, he was always that guy that everybody felt bad for because he was so good on a horrible Anaheim team. Well, I mean, and again, Anaheim's doing better this year. We'll see if they actually can keep that up and if Gibson's play can keep up, but Spencer Knight might be the guy to take over. And, you know, again, I'm, I, as you were just talking there, I'm thinking about more of these young guys too. I mean, I, I kind of dismissed Luke Hughes, but like that's a top five pick right there. That's a legitimate possibility. You have Maddie Beniers too. Legitimate possibility. Jacob Slavin. I mean, dude, they're top defensemen. If it's, if it's Hughes, Fox, McAvoy, Slavin, Warinsky, and then who am I forgetting? We just said another defenseman too. Um, who might be on there too. McAvoy? I think I said McAvoy. But oh, even okay. Luke Hughes. Let's say Luke Hughes is ready by that point. I mean, that's a damn good top set. Even your top four. If your top four is Slavin, McAvoy, Fox, and Warinsky, I mean, yeah. come on. Are you kidding yeah. me? They're going to be – they're in really good shape. I would have loved for them to be able – oh, Ziggy is entering in. I would have loved for them to be able to get this experience this year, but – at the end of the day, it really sucks. But for Team USA's sake, four years from now, I mean, you're not going to have to worry about – I mean, obviously, we'll see what happens then. But, like, there was question marks if Eichel was going to be able to even play this year. And it was looking probably more unlikely than likely that he would. I just think the tides are going to keep shifting. And this is all to not even get into some of the other, you know, foreign-born players who are, like, just going to be taking over soon. You know, we have, I mean, Lucas Raymond, you have Alexander Holtz too, with, with who are going to be ready for Sweden. Uh, four years from now, you're going to have, I mean, granted, you know, it's not exactly like barring like a crazy influx. Um, I don't know how much, how competitive they'll be, but you'll have a Germany team that's going to have Dreisel being their top center and Morty Sider being their top defenseman. Oh, Jokin Hesch. I know, exactly. I, I mean, it goes like, obviously there's a ton of incredibly talented youth coming out of Finland too. You know, by that point, I'm sure UPL will be the starter for team Finland. Once he's won a Stanley cup with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, oh <laughs> no, but I, I mean, obviously joking there, but I don't think it's unrealistic. I mean, it, we'll see what happens with UPL, but he could end up being in the conversation for them for, for Finland, but it, it's across the board, you know, like there is just so much youth coming up right now through the ranking or through the ranks that, it's going to be really exciting and it's not even just going to be a team USA versus team Canada. The thing like other teams are going to be getting better and better. I mean, even look at Sweden too. Like not, it, it seemed like maybe, you know, who knows with uh, their goaltending situation, but they're going to have Jesper Wallstedt, who was just a first round pick this year coming through. Russia's going to have Yaroslav Askarov in a couple of years, who's going to be ready and he'll be starting in the NHL by that point too. Like, it's going to get really good in 2026. This year alone was going to be really great, but my God, like it's going to be fun. It's going to be really good. And I'm really excited. It's just a shame that we're not going to get it till now. And with that being said, I would just like to submit an idea to move hockey to the summer Olympics. It seems like it is just such a slam dunk. The point I saw raised earlier, if you have basketball, which is a winter sport played in the summer Olympics, I know hockey is played on ice, but move it to the Summer Olympics. You don't have to worry about any stoppage of play. Obviously, you're going to still have the risk of injury in there, but also you put it in the summer, that's going to be a tune-up for guys for the NHL season, and then, boom, you're ready to go right into training camp from that, and you have guys who are already going to be coming into training camp in shape and ready to go. I have a counter idea, but first, let's hear a word from our our friends at DraftKings. Give it to me. Hockey fans, that's us. DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner. Once any shot gets past the goalie, that's just one. Bet on games that Dell plays. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, 
and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's All right, so counter? hopefully we actually have hockey games next week for people to, to bet on. Uh, but yeah, okay, so my idea, so I hear you on the Summer Olympics. It makes it a little bit more convenient. A couple things, I don't know what the IOC's uh, stance on this is, but I imagine they would really like hockey to stay in the Winter Olympics as probably its main draw. The Winter Olympics is a lot more niche sports uh, than summer, just all the way around, and it, a lot of the world is already not... Uh, probably invested for that reason. Mm-hmm. So they're so hopefully, you know, they, they are not hopefully, but that's, that's why they would like it to remain there. I kind of like it as a season break. I like, I don't really want to watch hockey in August that much uh, with the summer Olympics, just because there's so much else going on the year in the summer Olympics years. But does that uh, you outweigh have, the potential risk of injury though? That team, not that like that teams are concerned about. That's my only thing is that I feel like that alleviates one of the major concerns of what, GMs and owners always bring and like the league in general always bring up as like an issue. Is oh, I mean injuries. This that's all from the IOC's perspective. Uh, I I that's why I I don't I don't think the NHL can make that decision. The IOC well, wouldn't I know even that the, the IOC showed last time that they would rather just have it be some bullshit amateur tournament than let the NHL dictate terms. So that's I mean there's some things that they've worked out that, I mean, easy things like highlights and stuff like that. But yeah, for, as far as risk, if you're talking about short-term injury, obviously, it, yes, that's, that's, it's worse in February than it is in the summer Olympics. So maybe the NHL tries to do that. I think the NHL has an easier time bringing back the world cup of hockey and legitimizing it. How do you think they can actually go about doing that? By not being like this, not not even trying to pretend it's going to be a four year thing, every four year thing. Like in 2016, it was just like, here's some bullshit we're very transparently doing because we're not going to the Olympics. Uh, and people didn't really care about it because it hasn't been a thing. But you do it a couple of times, people might care. I mean, people care to an extent. They cared about t- the idea of Team Europe. They cared about Team North America. I think it was a, a more of a dud in the United States than it should have been. Uh, because our team was such a unmitigated disaster. But this is really a way to get, even with the idea that you're hopefully paying, playing in the 2026 Olympics, that you're still playing in 2024. Because I hear what you're saying about the GMs. The GMs are kind of irrelevant here. Oh, I know that they are. I'm the, just saying that. Yeah, I, I, I understand. Because I'd, I'd be concerned too if I were them. But the players' union, it's important to them. They've shown it's important. So I think barring some kind of other worldwide catastrophe players will absolutely be there in 2026 my thought is not only do i not want to wait that long but in other sports for example such as basketball has the FIBA world championships i'm not sure how much people care about that soccer has uh things almost almost every summer seemingly international but for example they had euros this summer things like that i think it'd be good for hockey to have a a second thing and it'd be extra good because it it cuts down on the time that we have to wait to see a best on best tournament again which would be ideal for me so I, I think it's it works all the way around. Now, there is the World Championships, uh, which for some reason are held both every year in non-COVID times and during, during the, the NHL playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, that's just, I've never watched those games and I probably never will for that reason. And uh, not a lot of players go and play in them. So are you, I mean, saying, are you saying then you would want them to bring back and legitimize the World Cup of Hockey to supplement the olympics every four years and do that in the middle where it's like every no to complement the olympics that's what i heard yeah that's what i mean so that it would be like in like the in between two years yes so So it would be summer olympics year i mean that's counter to what i said before about being busy with the summer olympics but the way they did it last time was after the rio games ended right right no, I, I, I can get down with that. I was going to, I thought at first you were saying to just like go all in on that without having Olympic participation, which. No, 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 no. And oh, I think, okay. I think the players. I agree with that, have that out, basically. Yeah. So that's, that's my idea. I just that don't think the idea. IOC is ever going to let a 
hockey moved to Summer Olympics happen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But anyway, so the rest of the season uh, seems to be kind of in flux now, doesn't it? A little bit, a little bit. So do we want some positive news on that front? Jesus, I guess. What do you got? <laughs> okay. So things look bad right now. It seems like everyone in the league has tested positive for COVID. You know, even though most the vast, vast majority of the league's vaccinated. Not good. Couple positive things. This one's not necessarily positive because it's just an opportunity. It could turn into a positive. Uh, time off right now, these five days to get booster shots that are being offered really cuts down on the the uh, the spread. If it's been six months, which I imagine a lot of players started getting shots last year uh, ahead of the playoffs or during the playoffs, or maybe when their teams got eliminated. So a lot of guys are past that six month mark, really cuts down on uh, the infection rate. And obviously the danger, if you are to be uh, are to test positive, but also cuts down on your likelihood to get it. Uh, just today, uh, the FDA approved a new Pfizer pill uh, that's 89% effective at preventing serious illness for people who have already tested positive for COVID. So that's, it's a treatment uh, that could uh, potentially lead to a world where we're not dealing with hospitalizations and uh, death at such a rate that we have to be vigilant, this vigilant about infections. Uh, And then we also have uh, also in the news today, the army, the U S military at Walter Reed uh, is, seems to have a, I don't know if it's been, I don't think it's uh, like uh, gone through the approval process yet, but it's, it's getting there. It's a all COVID vaccine. So all strains of COVID and other coronaviruses, it seems like that. That's good news. And then other, uh, all uh, indications right now are that COVID, uh, the Omicron variant, which is the dominant strain basically all over the world now is very mild symptoms for people who are vaccinated and boosted. And there's no real evidence that it's any worse for people who are, there's no evidence that it's worse than Delta uh, for people who are unvaccinated. People unvaccinated, small sample size still. So it's not really clear. There's not enough evidence there, but good on the, considering how many people in the NHL and in America and Canada are vaccinated, boosted, good Mm -hmm. news. So that's the good news. So hopefully this is a blip. I actually thought I had read something too, that for Omicron, that you, with that specifically, like, do you not lose your sense of taste and smell? Is that correct? I did read that. That's actually also good news. Cause I haven't, well, I think COVID I may have had that strain when I had, co- I had COVID like a month ago, I had a breakthrough case and I was so confused because I did not lose my taste or smell. I had two, two or three really rough days in the beginning. And then after that, it was just kind of like having like a bad cold pretty much, but it wasn't anything that was like, you know, crushing me or anything like that which again shout out to being vaccinated but part of me wondered was wondering now since i mean that really the omicron started what back in october uh it was identified in october identified then so part of me was one like wondered like if i didn't experience any of those symptoms like that and it kind of transformed into like a cold if that's what i ended up having Hmm. oh that's interesting I mean, that's, it's possible. I mean, we get an immunologist on here next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also, I don't think everyone has, um, everyone that had the previous variants lost their taste and smell. They did or did not. No, it's not a hundred percent, but I mean, if you lose your taste of smell, you definitely had COVID. Yeah. (laughs) There's not another thing in my life that's caused that. Right. Uh, But no, that's good because. That's my like that was not not my number one fear. I guess before the vaccines, I guess my number one fear would be dying. But yeah, besides that, losing taste and smell—well, smell I don't mm. care about—but losing taste temporarily that always kind of freaked me out. I was not interested. Not at all. Can I? Uh, ask, did you see the thing I retweeted earlier where it was <laughs> a graph that had uh, depicted like the rate of covid cases in the u.s like the trend for from the year and it matched it with the rate of negative reviews of yankee candles online and it was perfectly in match of people saying that the product wasn't working because they couldn't smell it like oh my god that's so that makes sense like when COVID, covid first became a thing how do you not realize at that point, like, oh, no, I can't smell this. That's a Dude, problem. They're all like, I was looking at the, because then people <laughs> were in the replies, oh, posting screenshots of like the comments and like collages. These are all like December 15th, December 13th, December 10th. 
Like, oh my God, what is wrong with you people? You would you would think by now people would know that because there's I mean, a great thing Jesus. people pointed out. Um, Yelp reviews in New York City in February and March 2020, negative Yelp reviews for restaurants being like, this didn't taste like anything. <laughs> it was oh. so wild. I mean, at some point, do you think like you might realize that nothing tastes like anything? Um, man, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild out there. It really, really is. It really yeah. is. Well, so this have... is our uh, this is our oh. last show before Christmas. It is. So, uh, I don't have is anything, anything related for the holidays. To... Yeah. So, well, I guess your recommendations. Do you do you have a Christmas movie that you like particular that the people might not have heard of, or one they have heard of? So, I actually recently watched a, a throwback Disney Channel Christmas movie that I completely forgot existed. The ultimate Christmas present. Do you remember this one? No. The, prem- the premise of it is there is this, these two like, you know, 13 year old girls in California who the one doesn't want to write like a five page research paper, which is just comical at this point, like five pages. But uh, they end up trying to take a shortcut through the woods to like go somewhere and they stumble upon Santa's cabin. And Santa, while at his cabin working on some new inventions, throws out what he thinks is a defective weather machine. So these girls, Brenda Song is actually the co-star in this. Uh, they take the weather machine, bring it back to, the, to their one house and end up causing a snow day so that she doesn't have to write her paper. It then turns into them getting, I think, like 12 feet of snow in 24 hours because this weather machine's like going totally out of whack. So the premise is Santa trying to find them to get his weather machine back. And there's this weird underlying storyline of a local weatherman in California slowly losing his mind because he doesn't understand how this is happening to the point where he ends up getting threatened to get fired because his boss tells him that he's too boring. And so he tries to go all wild child and figuring out how the snow started. It's a whole thing. Have you ever seen that? Does that ring any bells to you? No, but I just looked it up. Do you know who else is in the cast besides Brenda Song? Who? Uh, the leg- legend Spencer Breslin. Spencer Breslin is the little brother, actually. Yes, he is an elite little brother. He, he that, Does anybody crush little brother roles in the early <laughs> 2000s as well as Spencer Breslin? I don't I, don't I would say so. no. Also, one of the elves was played by NBA uh, star John Sally. That was the other thing I was going to actually bring up, too. Yeah, because then in that universe... The elves are normal sized people. They're not small. So Santa's that's, elves are like powering over him. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily recommend the movie, but it was a fun little trip down memory lane. Oh, um, I'm trying to think of other ones I like. I mean, I've always, I'm always like, again, for like nostalgia. So big fan of like the old like claymation, uh, like Christmas movies, um, like with between like Rudolph and Frosty. Um, I, I, I mean, how can you go wrong with, and I don't know, I feel like people are actually pretty divided on this, but Jim Carrey's portrayal of the Grinch and how the Grinch stole Christmas, just so many good one-liners that, that gets me every single time. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really about it. What about you? What are your, what are your top Christmas movies? Well, so I actually watched two so far this year, which is more than I would usually watch. Uh, three, holy shit, I've watched three. Uh, but anyway, I watched Just Friends, which I've seen many times. A lot of Just Friends, you know, you wouldn't say the humor is aged well. 2006 is a concept. 2005, actually, it is. 2005. What a year. Hasn't aged well uh, as a year. But there's a couple great lines in Just Friends, and Anna Ferris's performance is unbelievable. And so is Chris Klein's performance. Uh, really fantastic from both of them. And I love the line, obviously, the Anna Ferris line. She's, like, trying to get Chris's attention, who's Ryan Reynolds' character. And he just like at some point is just like, I'm busy. And she's like, I'm busy, you stupid dick. Um, Great line delivery from her. And then also just the weird line um, when Ryan Reynolds friend is trying to tell him that he's better than the the character Dusty Dinkleman, who's played by Chris Klein. And he says, it's like, you're LA, man. He's Jersey. He skis in his jeans, which is, that's a fantastic line. Just great stuff. The rest of the movie doesn't really stick with me. And so I watched Home Alone, which obviously, like everyone our age, I've seen Home Alone many times. I hadn't seen it, uh, I don't know, in multiple years. And? 
So I changed my perspective on it because, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, wow, how cool would it be for this to happen? You put yourself in Kevin McAllister's shoes. How fun would it be, you know, to be home alone, to, to get your like your own pizza and watch stuff, basically do stuff you're not allowed to do because no one's there. And then these bad guys come and then you take them down uh, with like your race cars at one point and you get to call them morons and horses asses. And like, that was a big thing. Like, Ooh, if, if a bad guy ever breaks in my house, I'm allowed to swear at him according to this movie. But oh, now when like, I watch it, it's like the fun parts are like, like John Candy, unbelievable, unbelievable. He's in the movie for maybe four minutes at most. RIP. Yeah. To the King. And he like, when he's in the airport and he's offering uh, Catherine O'Hara's mom character, the ride. And he just goes off for like 10 minutes about being the polka king in the Midwest and like <laughs> about how he was big in Sheboygan in the early seventies. She's trying to find her kid. And then like, she's like later they're in the, the truck driving back and she thinks she's a bad mom. And he's telling her about how <laughs> basically everyone in his band is a deadbeat dad. And he's like, Oh, me and the wife left uh, one of our kids uh, at a nursing home or at a uh, funeral home one time all day. Yeah. We didn't go back till that night. We came to our senses and uh, apparently he'd been there all day with the corpse, just those two. And, uh, but you know, <laughs> he was okay. Six, seven weeks. He started talking again. Kids are resilient like that. Oh my God. Just those lines like that. That's that performance is so great. Obviously Pesci is unbelievable. Mm. Same year. Goodfellas came out quite a year for him. Was and then really? uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then uncle Frank is a legend. I oh, want an uncle wow. Frank movie. Uncle Frank is so cool. It, yeah. That. <laughs> That actually is kind of funny how movies as you get older just finding like the newfound appreciation and like understanding just like the humor of it more because that's a really good point because now that I'm thinking about especially with like I mean Jack Candy is unbelievable in that role. Let me (laughs) ask you this though too so we talked about movies because that covers your neck of the woods. What are some of your favorite Christmas songs? Oh this is one of the first things we talked about on Rick's Reviews. Um, Wow that's beautiful. Yeah, so I'd have to think about that. I like um, Christmas Shopping by The Waitresses is one of my favorites. Oh, yes. Uh, Man, I don't know what the song is called. It's the one that's plays in Goodfellas, like Baby Please Come Home, which is a very Yes, by Darlene Love. That is top A very, um, yeah, that's like a, uh, a, it's maybe the saddest Christmas song. I don't count Christmas shoes. That's fake because it's, it's a real bummer. Uh, and then I don't know. There's, I guess I'd have to think about it. I like, um, I really liked war is over when I was a kid, which I assume you like. Oh yes. Very, very much. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, that one's a classic for me for sure. I mean, I always like that wonderful Christmas time too. Those I, I like war is over more than I like one or uh wonderful Christmas time. Um, I also, I love, love love nat king cole's the christmas song like that that song i think just perfectly gets me in the mood for christmas like i could be i could not listen to christmas music all december and if i listen to that on like the day before christmas eve like i'm in it um it's just such a beautiful song and performance trying to think what else Uh, did you see the meme um from get back where it's like paul's like i want to write a song about having a wonderful Christmas time and everyone is like, no, no, no way. And he's like, I got to break this band up. I did not see that. Did you watch get back? No, I probably will at some point since it got such good uh, reviews, it is, but it's eight hours, isn't it? It's three, it's three episodes, like two and a half hours each. It is the coolest thing. I, I did. I give this as a recommendation already. Yeah. I did. Okay. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. And I don't even say that as just like a Beatles fanatic, just as a music fan. Um, I I mean, it's literally watching history unfold. I've never come across something like this, like in such like a fly on the wall capacity. I mean, obviously they know that the cameras are there, but just something of this kind I've just never seen before. And realistically in, in like a, I know I said this too when I gave it as my recommendation in like a historical sense. We'll probably never get something like this again. So definitely watch it. And if you want to hang out and watch it, I would super not be opposed to that. All right. Also, so last, oh, Little St. Nick too, Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. Song. So, Can I, oh, the, wait, um, one last thing I want to just say. 
I want to also shout out, uh, not that I'm like always going to it to listen to it, but shout out to Kelly Clarkson because I feel like it is incredibly hard to write a Christmas song, like a modern Christmas song that like really sticks and isn't like just like a gimmicky, like writing a Christmas song for the sake of it that you hear on like regular radio airplay whenever you're listening to Christmas music. And Kelly Clarkson is the one I think that really jumps out to me as like a modern Christmas song that is like immediately became a classic. So shout out Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. I uh, remember uh, Christmas in Hollywood. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Sia's Christmas songs? No, she has them. She has a couple of them. And one of them is titled Santa's coming for us. And now if you're like (laughs) me and you hear that title and think, Oh my God, this title makes it sound like Santa's an ax murderer. Listen to the song because you will probably come away from it thinking, oh my God, Santa is an ax murderer. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, the chorus is literally just her saying Santa's coming for us over and over again. And I just don't quite get why we couldn't have maybe changed around a word or two to make Santa sound um, a little less stalkery or murdery. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Listen to the song after this and let me know what you think. Yeah. Santa's coming for us. Hmm. Yeah, so I guess uh, my real recommendation is uh, the best Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It's, mm. uh, it's a basic pick, but it's, that's because it's the right pick. Uh, and if you are one of the people that chooses to watch Die Hard this Christmas, uh, good for you. Don't, uh, don't do the joke. Let it, let it die. Let the joke die. Just uh, accept it. Everyone accepts it as a Christmas movie. And uh, we'll move on from that as an internet community at some point, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I, I would hope so. Yeah. Boy, if you watch it, watch it. It's a good time. It's one of the best action movies ever. Uh, but it's Wonderful Life. It's a, it's a good movie. Thumbs up. The, some of the, just the best voices uh, you've ever heard in cinema. Oh, yeah. I, my... It just makes me think that back in the 1940s, people were better at talking. Did you see the thing that somebody had posted? I think it might have been from Reddit where somebody unironically was trying to talk about how Potter was right. And like Potter is actually like a protagonist in the movie. Yeah. Okay. So is it about how does he compare it to the like lending crisis in America? In yeah. And I, I think that's probably the same that's- it's not exactly. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Not, I'm I know. I know. I know. You know, but like very the people, insulting way. <laughs> yes, the, it, the bond market in 1946 is not the same as the bond market in 2008 for a lot of reasons. Someone smarter than me would explain it, but I am right about that. It was not exactly the same thing. It's different. I mean, George Bailey wasn't giving people like loans he knew they couldn't pay back, so he could. Um, and have and rating having rate you know leaning on rating agencies to uh, you know give them make them seem better than they were so you know rubes would buy houses or uh, I don't know buying this oh you know all this shit just to make money all that stuff it's not the same thing he's not a villain also it's a fake movie universe where maybe a bond market doesn't even exist and all those people still had their goddamn houses didn't they. Yep. There was no collapse. There was no crisis. And then the, the alternate universe, which you're led to believe is 100% fact, uh, everything is worse. And also, Mr. Potter just straight up steals the $8,000 that he Uncle Billy, it. Uncle Billy, uh, <laughs> one of the most hapless movie characters of all time, puts down. Easily. Yeah. Do you think anything comes close to a wonderful, it's a wonderful life and why? Hmm, I'd have to see the, all the other Christmas movies. I haven't seen some of the classics. Like I've seen the, the specials, like the claymation specials and stuff. Um, but like, I've never seen the original Miracle on 34th Street or White Christmas. So I'd see those and then see if any of those came close. The thing is, It's a Wonderful Life almost falls into the diehard category of it's not explicitly about Christmas. You know what I mean? Like the Grinches or all those specials were oh, yeah. no of course it, it's a movie that takes place during christmas time yeah but and most of the movie like, doesn't but it's about like the spirit of christmas though exactly yes Which that's, like, that's like, like, what, like home alone also is didn't have didn't have to take place at christmas but it, I, I mean i think that the there is like 
the key differentiator for people who say that like Die Hard is a Christmas movie because those other movies, it's like the heart and soul of it is, you know, the Christmas spirit and fa la 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 bullshit. Die Hard is an action movie that far more than It's a Wonderful Life and Home Alone doesn't necessarily need to be at the time of year that it is. Yeah, there's not, I don't know if there's, unless I'm missing something, I don't really think there's that much of a theme, but they do play Christmas songs. Their musical cues are Christmas. Yeah. He does the, I have a shotgun, ho, ho, ho. Like it's enough of a thing. I see why people watch it at Christmas. And I got to say, it's not that interesting to say that you think it's a Christmas movie, everyone. We heard the goddamn joke in 2014. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But you know, it's good. It's, It's great. But I would say that it is, you know, I think calling it a Christmas movie and that whole line of, uh, uh, being like, oh, how epic is my uh, joke here? Uh, under, you know, it kind of undersells the movie because I think it has a good claim as America's best action movie ever. And wouldn't you just rather be that? Wouldn't you rather be that? If I was like, oh, this this guy could pull off making an action movie that's also takes place at Christmas. It's like, okay. Or, or it's the best action movie in American history that spawned 10 plus years of copycats. Mm-hmm. That's way better. So start doing that. Start making that argument, diehard people. Tell them. Tell them. Also, one of the only movie series ever uh, that's like at that level that has three straight good movies off the bat. Three straight bangers, not just good, like bangers, the first three. That usually, there's at least, usually it's the third one to fall apart, especially, let's say, in in the horror community. Things usually fall apart by the third movie. But anyway, that's it. We'll, we'll talk to everyone after Christmas. We'll be back. We'll see if uh, there's any games to talk about by then. God, I hope the upcoming so, yeah. games because there'll be no games between between the next time uh, we talk. There will be no games. So hopefully there's upcoming games to preview. Goodness. What are we going to talk about on Sunday? Well, hopefully we'll have games to preview. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on your respective streaming platforms, on their websites, and whatever social media platforms you're active on. And speaking of social media, make sure you're following us at Straight Up Sabres on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find us on Twitter at Straight Sabres. And as well, make sure whatever you are listening to this podcast on whatever streaming service you use, make sure you're subscribed to us. We would very, very much appreciate it. As Taylor had said, we'll be back with a new episode on Sunday or on Monday, but in the meantime, also make sure you're using DraftKings and that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals. We wish everybody celebrating a very Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. And we'll talk to you all on Monday.